BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I love it. You know, it's national TV, so regardless if the body hurt a little bit, but you got a lot more eyes on you so you can show what you can do. So I just think it's a great opportunity to mind over matter. I'm just like bump, bump everything, but my body actually feels pretty good. So I'm locked and loaded, ready to go. You know, if we had to go right now, me and you, you know, I like me. <laughs> it wouldn't end well. <laughs> Roquan Smith, Bears linebacker, you know, echoing something that when Thursday Night Football first became a weekly event, you had about half the players that hated it, and the other half that sounded a lot like him. You get an easy week before the game of practice, you get a mini-buy on the back end, you get a national audience, and for the Bears, that's not a common occurrence, so glass half full. There are guys out there that like it for all the debate and the discussion about whether or not it makes sense to do it. And for plenty of guys, it doesn't, especially if you're banged up coming out of Sunday, Chris. There are guys out there that like it. No, we have to definitely. take that into account. No, I know. Definitely. You know, I, I think, you know, there are those guys that, that thrive wanting to play in that, you know, under the lights condition, right, where it's just you're under the big spotlights. I think there are guys that certainly thrive in that and they love that. You know, I do think, yeah, there's a considerable amount of the locker room. You know, it, it's even the ones that love Thursday night, they might, you know, oh, man, gosh, we got to play in a day or two. But it, it's still, for the most part, I think guys enjoy being the big game of the night or, or anything of that matter. I do think that's very real. And added to that, I think the coaches love it. The coaches love it more than anybody. Of course, they don't have to go out there and hit people and do that. But the fact that they get a little, you know, like you said, de facto bye week after this, uh, it gives them a little energy during a week like this too. But, hey, I mean, I, I couldn't live without Thursday night football now. It's part of the, part of the NFL schedule, the environment of it all. I expect it, and I'm, I'm glad we have it, even though I know it's tough. And, you know, I still don't know if it's best for players with the current environment. Again, we've seen – 
a number of weeks here, Mike, where Thursday night, yeah, the injuries don't happen, but that team that plays after the Thursday night is hurt and gets banged up. And we can go down the list here of the last few teams that have played that and have had some of those issues for sure. No, you're absolutely right. And that debate will continue, but it ultimately doesn't matter because no. the Night football is here to stay. The contract with Amazon is 11 years, although the NFL has an out after about seven years. But it's not like the NFL is going to decide in seven years to take away one of the primetime events that is generating right now a billion a year. By the way, yeah, we haven't said who we are, where we are, or what we are. For those of you who watch the show every day, you already know. But just in the event that you tripped across this channel on Peacock or on SiriusXM number 85, by the way, we are PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel. Learn more at googlestore.com. Hello to our friends in the U.K. and Ireland who are watching the program on Sky Sports NFL. Tape delayed because of Chris's potty mouth podcast. You get the full potty mouth in all its glory. And by the way, by the way, I got a funny email yesterday from one of the viewers on Sky Sports NFL. Love the show, but I prefer delayed rather than live coverage as that way I can skip the first 10 minutes of social crap both <laughs> chat about. <laughs> we all care about your personal life stories and habits as much as you care about ours. Fair point. But then here's the P.S. Is the brick in your backgrounds real or fake? Well, <laughs> why do you care? Why do you care? If you don't care about us or us talking, why do you care whether the brick behind me or the brick behind Chris is real or fake? So I didn't tell the guy. Well, so right. if you don't care, you don't get an answer. OK, what's his name? Say it, because I hope he fast forwards through this part today today and then doesn't Bobby see D. it. OK, hello, Bobby D. Hello. You're fast forwarding through this, Bobby D. And I we're know calling out your name. So suck it, Bobby D. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I do wonder. I mean, sometimes we can go a little too long on our on our life stories for sure. So uh, I'm sure there are people out there that are like, all right, can you two idiots just talk about football now? Enough of, you know, the things that are going on around your house. By the way, fake brick behind me. Absolutely fake. In fact, if you look closely, I think you can see that it's like the plastic is busted and there's holes in it. And it's, yeah, it's fake behind me. Real brick behind me. Real brick. Is it real? I haven't been in there in so long, I don't know. I don't know. It looks pretty damn real. The whole room's got it, but maybe it's not. Okay. They're telling me it's not real. It's not real. Okay. Not actual brick. Okay. Not actual brick. I like the look of real brick. And I remember when I was a kid. And here we go. Here we go, Bobby D. We, we've, we've got another story for you. We got Z-Brick. Z-Brick was the, the trendy thing to get in the 70s, which was these little flat pieces of actual brick that you mounted oh, in your right. kitchen. Yeah. Like over the counter right. to make it look like over you had the actual stove. brick. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. So, so like, people who come to the kitchen who had been in the house before, like, they're going to be fooled and think you tore everything out and put in a real brick wall and then put everything back in. I... I you know, but but hey, if you can't have real brick, you get a sliver of brick and you put the mortar up and it kind of looked like, I mean, it did. It was actual brick. It was just, you know, that thick. Yeah, so right. Had, it's it's that Florida brick. cheap shit you're telling me about a little bit. I mean, <laughs> the rock? The yeah, rock. I got the cheap rock. <laughs> yeah. I got the cheap rock all over the house. The guy, the guy, when they built the house, the guy was here for 24 months putting in cheap rock. I did not build the house. I just bought the house already built. I can't imagine ever trying to build a house from scratch and all the decisions you have to make. I remember when that 
that first hit my radar screen 30 years ago after my wife and I got married. It's like, we're never going to be able to figure out what handles we want on this or what shower head we want here. You just buy a house that already has all that stuff. That let somebody else make those decisions. Who the hell cares? Why get caught up in this never-ending web of what do you want here, what do you want here, what do you want there, what do you want here? It'd drive you crazy. It, it will. That's, that's, that's not my department, nor am I – I don't even have jurisdiction to – like get into those lanes of conversation in my house. So I don't worry about it. That's one where like if I started to tell my wife, hey, I think you should go with these door handles or doorknobs or something like that, she'd be like, I don't tell you who the best quarterback in football is. You just back off me there, buddy. So that's where I know I stay in my lane on that one. And and look, I don't know what the dynamics are for other people's marriages, but personalities fit together in a strange sort of way. My wife can never make a decision about anything. And I, well, I, on the other hand, will make a decision like that just to move on past it. And it's funny because it took us 11 years to find this house because every house we looked at, I was like, let's buy it. She's like, whoa, no, 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 no. Because... It's not the house we really want. It's better than the one we're in, but it's not the one we really want. So we're going to find the one we really want. After that, we're going to have to move twice. So let's just keep looking for the one we really want. It's like, but I just want to move out of the one we're in. I like this one. And that was the thing that, so I would have bought like five houses before we found this one and we would have had to move five times. She was wise to wait until we found the right one. We made one move. I'll never move again. I'll die here. I don't care. I mean, she's like, we need to downsize at some point. It's like, I'm not moving again. Oh, we know. We know. I'm I'm not leaving. I'm not moving. I'm not going anywhere. Right. But yeah, I'm very, very rash and impulsive, and she is very deliberate too far to the other end. I don't know how we got married just because I don't know how she ever agreed to do it for a variety of reasons. Yeah, for a variety. But just the idea of what should I do, eventually it happened some 28 years ago. All right, 28 years later, we get to the action tonight. Boom. You know, we probably should keep talking about other stuff. What else can we talk about? Uh, no, we come on. Collection? Uh, no. Baseball cards? No, nope. it's all right. It's Commanders and Bears. Right it's all right. I can go get all my old baseball and football cards, and we can pull them out, and I can show you, like, Carl Yastrzemski. Are you sure you don't want to do yeah, that? Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah nobody cares about your baseball cards, even though it's nobody the one and four Commanders. commanders and two and three. Yeah, I'm they do. Look, I'm not contractually obligated to sell this game. Last week, we organically sold Colts Broncos, and you know what? It was an exciting Ugly game, right. I, I think this is ugly game with no payoff. Last week was ugly game with payoff. Where's the payoff when the one and four commanders go to take on the three and two Chicago Bears? And, Chris, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll give you the floor. Okay. Tell us why we should watch this game. Well, I, I think one, I mean, again, you go to the Chicago Bears. We know they're a team kind of on the rebuild here. But I think one of the, the hottest stories in Chicago and – you know, kind of a under-the-radar story as far as the NFL is Justin Fields and his development. You know, there, there's, again, there's, there's some superstar potential there and some things you really love about his game, and then there's things about his game that are a little concerning, and you're not sure where it's going to go. And when you look at the way they call the game sometimes, you're not sure they have confidence in them either. So I think there's a little of that to look forward to. And then we got, you know, the commanders and Carson Wentz. And it's the the reason we're not good, even though we were in the playoffs two years ago, is because of the quarterback situation, right? So there's that too. That adds a little intrigue to it. 
And Carson Wentz has played, you know, really not, I'm not going to say really good football, but good football. He's not the number one, number two, number three, number four concern when you watch Washington on film and think, oh, man, if they had somebody else a quarterback, they'd be a lot better. So I think there are those dynamics right there a little bit. And, um, you know, the fact that it is kind of desperation time for the commanders here and, and the Bears to where you lose this one, you're, you're, you're pretty much – you're very close to shutting the door on going, all right, hey, you guys just keep working to improve the culture and improve your team, but I don't think we're going to see you in the playoff conversation come here in five or six weeks. There are teams that do start off slowly and find their groove. I remember there was a year that the Washington, not commanders, were yeah. like three and seven. I think it was RG3's rookie year, and they found the gas pedal. I don't think they were quite three and seven. Maybe there like were something like that, or, though. You're right. But they, they took off and, and got hot. But right. I don't see that in the cards for these teams. If it was going to happen to one of the two teams, I would say it's going to be the Bears because Justin Fields, as he develops, and I thought he had a really good game against the Vikings. You know, the problem is you use the term rebuild as it relates to the Bears. I haven't got any sense that they're building. It's just tear down and not go out and acquire high-end talent to help your young quarterback get better, unlike what the Jaguars did for Trevor Lawrence, what the Jets did for Zach Wilson. Young quarterbacks getting help around them. Jalen Hurts in Philly to a tongue of Iloa. I know they're both third-year guys, but still a sense of trying to make the conditions better for the young quarterback instead of just out with the old and there's no new. And it really makes me wonder what the new regime thinks of Justin Fields. And let's think about it very pragmatically. Yeah, right. The guys who got fired are the ones who got Justin Fields. The new guys come in, and this is a dynamic that I think is true in any line of work. You're not going to defer to your predecessors. You're brought in to do things better, which means different, because the old guys did it poorly, and that's why they're gone. And this was their crown jewel. This was the guy they traded up to get. So there may be a natural inclination for them to not even want Justin Fields around. Well, yeah. And And I know that there's Bears fans that are invested in Justin Fields, but I don't get the impression they've done a lot to help Justin Fields. But I still think he's pretty good, and he had a hell of a run last week against the Vikings. He got called back. We're going to show penalty. that. Yeah. But, but, yeah, I mean, he can play. He can play. He just doesn't have the help around him. All right. So and you put okay. him on another team, and that team's going to be a hell of a lot better than it is with its current quarterback, but it's hard for him to stand out I, without I, a whole lot of help around him. I, I hear you there. I hear you. I, two things. One, I think the first thing is, and I might have this number wrong, and maybe, Mike, as I talk, you could even look it up. But I do believe the Bears are still playing like $40 million to guys that are not on the football team right now. Or it's a number extremely significant that affects your salary cap. So I think they're kind of taking this year on the chin a little bit to go, wait, next year's the year we can start to spend some money and get some players in here to help Justin Fields. I, I think that was really their only option. With and, and, again, it's been a while since I looked at it, but I remember looking at it in August and going, oh, okay, that makes sense. They, they have some issues there, and they're, they're trying to pay some checks and do all that and, and balance the, uh, the, the checkbook there a little bit so they can make some plays next year. Now, the sold on Justin Fields thing, I'm not sure about that. I'm not. Now, again, I understand it's not great talent around them. There's a lot of other quarterbacks and things out there that don't have great talent around them either. And the way they call the game with him right now does not lead me to believe they're totally into him either, though. So he does have things about his game and things that pop out to you when you do watch him. And if we want to play that tape, guys, let's go ahead. I mean, Mike, you said it. 
You know, last week was one of his better games of the year. But this was one of his biggest completions of the of the day, right? This and a screen pass. That was the, the greatest catch on Sunday, by the way, by Darnell Mooney. So that's where – but then you see throws like this and you go, damn, can we harness that and make that a consistent thing? Because that was beautiful. And then here, great quick release, throws the ball with pace down the middle. Looks nice there. You know, again, in the pocket escaping. And this is where, you know, to your point – He's, he's in the conversation for one of the most gifted runners in the sport. And this one is the one you were talking about. It's a shame this got called back. But this had, like, this was shades of Michael Vick against the Vikings back in the old days right there. Oh, I know. Right? I mean, that really was. Down the left sidelines, turn on the afterburners, split defender score. So you see some high-end stuff, Mike. But there's also a number of completions and incompletions in every game where you just go, oh, oh, oh. How did he miss that? Oh, it was a completion, but the guy had to jump and and fall and catch it behind his back. And there's just some of that that I think is still a little questionable with his game. And it's a little work in progress. And that's one of the reasons I'm excited to kind of just sit down, like you always say, on a Thursday night and watch that one game and just really focus in on it and check it out a little bit. Yeah, instead of trying to watch him play while eight other games are unfolding at the same time, you miss a lot of the nuances. I like his pocket presence, Chris. You're the quarterback expert. I've watched football for 50 years. Right. I I know when it looks good, and I know when it doesn't. I hear you. He's got a calm there. There's almost a nonchalance, and he's got that quick release. And that quick release is very meaningful because – the faster you make the decision to get the ball out, the less time the defensive backs have to adjust and the less time the the defenders have to get an arm up in the air to try to knock it down. And he, he seems very calm and collected. Agreed. And then zoom, the ball's out to make one of your sounds. The yeah, ball's it out. It is, yes. It's just out. And and that that's the best way to do it. You don't want to... You don't want to have that deliberate motion. You don't want to take too long to think about it when, when, when that... that synapse in your brain fires the balls out and and that that bodes well that combined with the mobility yeah he's got the chance to still be really good he does I'm not I'm not like you know throwing in the towel here on him yet either but I'm, I'm still on the fence about where it's going to go to a degree I am and and I think hey listen the, the thing you said there it is definitely one of his best positives I mean he does have a presence on the field I think that's what you're talking about he looks like a stud in the pocket he does and there is something to be said about that. You know, good players, teams, they, they, you know, gravitate towards that. And then, yeah, he has a calmness in the pocket. One, because he's a big, strong, tough sucker. He really is. And then, two, I think because of what you're saying, too, he's calm in the pocket because he knows he can go, go, go gadget legs and I can get out of trouble when I need to. And that's definitely his best attribute for sure. And he has moments like you're talking about where you go, damn, that looks good. Damn, that's pretty. And last week he threw more pretty balls and damn, that looks good type of balls than we've seen this year. But man, the week before that against the New York Giants, the ball was all over the place. He was 11 for 22. The week before that against the Houston Texans, the ball was all over the place and he threw two interceptions and I believe he was like eight for 17 if I'm calling this off the top of my head, okay? I am right. The week before that is Green Bay, Mike. And you remember that game, he really... He threw the ball nine times in the competitive part of the football game. I think he got two throws late in the football game to go seven for 11. So that in itself, you know, I understand to your point, there's not great talent around him, but the lack of throws and then what I see on film with the inconsistencies, 
tells me, to your point, that I'm not sure they're totally sold on him yet either, or at least don't trust him to go, let's drop back and throw it 30 times a game and go through Justin Fields and play that way. Right now, they're kind of trying to go, let's run the ball, let's just run the plays that he's comfortable with, not let him make mistakes, and our defense will play, bend, don't break defense, and hopefully we can just hang in there and... You know, I'm waiting for that next thing to where it's like, okay, it's time to play through the guy. Here we go. He can dice you up. He can run. We got some quarterback runs and all that. So I don't know if that made sense, Mike. I know I said a lot there, but hopefully you uh, could take that all in. One thing that occurred to me as you were talking, yeah. maybe he's better off playing indoors. Maybe that suits him well. Not that it's going to matter in Chicago, although they're thinking about that new stadium. It may not be built anytime soon, and it would be covered some guys just play better. Yeah, you're, you're right about some, that. And not not that we've had a lot of elements games other than week one when it was it was a mosh pit for the for the Bears and the 49ers, but uh, maybe maybe I don't know. But we saw some good things on Sunday, and that could be the start of something good. We'll yeah. see what happens tonight for him it's and real. the Bears' offense and defense against the Washington yeah. Commanders. The game had started off as even. And when I was going through last night to get our picks ready for the Joint Mega Picks podcast coming up later today, we'll tape it. It'll be on Peacock on Friday, but it'll be available on the NFL on NBC YouTube page. And also you'll see various clips from it at PFT embedded into the stories. The Bears are now one-point favorites, which makes sense. I mean, you look at these two teams, and the Bears are playing at home. I don't know why it was even. I don't know why... I don't know why you'd have more faith in the Commanders right now than you'd have in the Bears. The Bears have looked good against much better teams. They... Played the Packers closer than 27 to 10 would indicate. They played the Vikings uh, very close, down 21 3, came back, took the lead before losing late to Minnesota. I, I think the Bears are the better team right now. And, and one of the big differences is Justin Fields overall is playing. I don't know, is he playing better than Carson Wentz in your view? Yeah. Or is, is, is this just, is, am I influenced by the anti-Carson Wentz movement that has expanded from Philly to Indy to Washington to basically coast to yeah, coast? Yeah, I, I think there's a little of that. I think we need to, you know, we, we need to not fall in that trap, you and I. And we're pretty good at not doing that usually and following the, the, the flow of everybody else. I, I think, you know, if, if, if you look at it a little bit, right, first, and they, they've played some good teams too. They beat the Jaguars. They had to play the Eagles. They played the Cowboys. I mean, we're talking about the Cowboys and the Eagles as the you know two of the four best teams in the sport. Tennessee Titans, we know, were solid. You know, the Lions, they went up there in Detroit and, and got caught off guard, and they moved the ball on that Washington defense. But I, I, I can't say that Justin Fields is playing better than Carson Wentz. I mean, first off, here's the biggest thing with Washington – you know, Wentz makes – when you break the, him down and watch his game, I mean, he makes a number of big-time, high-level throws. And then, you know, then on top of that, his offensive line, Mike, it, it's, it's close to Daniel Jones of the New York Giants the last few years. It, it is it's, – it's in the conversation for the worst offensive line in football. It, and I'm not – I'm not sugarcoating that or anything. It is very close to that. Their interior part of their offensive line, their two guards, their centers, uh, they might as well put you in there most of the game. They're, as you can see here, he's part of sacking the quarterback. They're literally being taken back with the defensive player and helping out. They should be on the stat book for a few sacks. Look at some of these plays. It's constant. 
I don't – they're lucky they have Carson Wentz in the sense that most quarterbacks would be dead or hurt. If they had Jimmy Garoppolo, he could never play in this environment. Never. He stands in there because he's a giant man, and he can take this pounding, and he – his – you know, learning a new offense, and it's not easy, but it's all on him. They have no running game, right, which we see teams that have no running game. Pittsburgh's got no running game, right, but at least they can protect the quarterback. They are no running game, and they can't protect the quarterback. It's a double whammy, and that's where I feel for Carson Wentz a little bit, and uh, he needs some help in that, in that stand, from that standpoint. Here's Carson Wentz talking about the issues with the commander's offensive line. There's always a million reasons, and you can make excuses. And for us, you know, there's there's none. We we got to execute, we got to deliver, um, and I got to do better, making sure everybody's on the same page with the communication and stuff. And um, it's a bummer they've definitely cost us in, in some big moments, but um, I look forward to getting those things corrected, and uh, hopefully we're not talking about them the rest of the year. I, I feel super confident in those guys. Um, they've done a great job, not just. Uh, physically but mentally being locked in, ready to go, knowing the calls, all of those things. Um, I do know it can be tough when you play next to somebody and they go out and then you're trying to work together um, and bullets are happening fast, bullets are flying. And I, so I know it's tough on those guys, but at the same time for me um, and really everybody else on the offense, we have a ton of confidence um, because as they go, we go. And we, we have a ton of confidence in their ability to, to protect but also to, to move the line of scrimmage and change the line of scrimmage in the run game. And uh, I think we're going to keep getting better in that area. Yeah, look. What's he Chris, supposed to say? Made. Yeah. Right, right. It's a point you've made, though, about offensive line play generally. Yeah. That the defensive lines are just too good at this point, and the best teams have six or seven guys that they rotate, rotate in. Right. And it just overwhelms an offensive line. Yep. And it's still early in the season. That five-man unit has to play together. The defense can just create havoc, just bust through whatever opening it can find. The five who are trying to block need to – need to work in harmony to ensure that everyone's picked up. And then you have blitzers that come. You have to rely upon exactly. the backs to help out, too. Certain guys get a free release. Sometimes you make the deliberate decision on the fly. I got two guys. Which one am I going to block? Which one am I going to let run past me? And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't work. But a lot of teams have offensive line issues. Quarterbacks have to find a way to work around that. But it hasn't helped Carson Wentz become the best version of himself. And this is one of the realities of – this plug-and-play quarterback it is. reality we've seen in the NFL in recent years. Sometimes you take a guy from a team, an established player, and you drop him into a new situation, and it works. And sometimes it doesn't. Right. And one of the reasons it takes time is because it's a new quarterback. Yeah. However many new offensive linemen you have, it's a new quarterback. It's a new personality back there. It's a new way of, of the clock in your brain as an offensive lineman. You have to adjust how much time you have before that guy can make a decision. Is he going to run? Is he going to move laterally? Is he going to go vertically? What do I do? When do I go down the field? When's the ball out? What? It's a completely different experience for those guys as well. It, and 100%. It, it is. And they're, they're, they're in a little bit of a learning process here. I, I know that. I get that. I don't think it's going to matter, though, You know, as they continue to learn and get there. To me, this is one where they're so talent deficient, Mike. It doesn't matter. I mean, just look at the names. I mean, you, like you said, you've been following football forever. It's a bunch of guys that have been cast-offs and played on multiple, multiple teams, right? And then they're all kind of late in their career. Charles Leno, Cornelius Lucas. I mean, 
Trey Turner, who got replaced by Shadi Charles, who was on ice skates last week and back in Carson Wentz's uh, lap more times than not. Nick Martin, Andrew Norwell. These are all guys that are, for the most part, other than Charles, towards the end of their careers or on their third team, maybe their fourth team on some of these. You know, there's a reason for that. There is. You know, the Samuel Cosby from Texas, their right tackle, he was hurt. So, you know, I I don't know where his health status is right now. But it's one where, Mike, you know, your your points are all real. I just – I don't see it turning around. You know, and I like the offense. I think Scott Turner's pretty creative with some of the stuff he does in the passing game. But I think they're really stuck in a spot where, I mean, they they can't run at all. And there's a lot of plays where you go – whoa, he got the ball, and he's got to play duck it and chuck it almost instantly and take a big hit. And that's led to him, you know, making some bad throws or even missing a few reads. But I understand as I'm watching games, I'm going, well, I understand him. You know, he was a little quick and missed that read. He's been hit in the head like 12 times in a row, just crushed. So he's a little, you know, going through it quickly because he's like, oh, God, I'm going to get hit soon. I got to go through it. And, and then, of course, there's a play where you go, oh, the second read's open. Just calm down. Relax. But, you know, being in that position before, it's easier said than done. So that's that's a real issue with their football team. Then the other aspect, Mike, is the other thing, too, is their defense should be more dominant. That That's the other aspect of Washington, at least in my opinion. And, and listen, their defense is good. It's, it's middle of the road right now. It's close, though, to being like one of the better defenses. They let up too many big plays. That's probably their biggest problem, and they don't create any turnovers. And for a team that's got, you know, legitimately four first-rounders starting right now and will have five when Chase Young is there, just in their front seven, they're going to have five first-rounders there. Yeah, they do not dominate the game enough for what, where, you know, as we talk about, where's your money? Where's your assets? Is that part of your team, you know, performing to the price of the assets or the amount they're being paid and all that? And that would be one area that I'd look at and go, no, it's underperforming a little bit. You know, with that crew there, they should be a little bit more dominant and creating chaos and turnovers. And, you know, they've had moments like that, but it hasn't been consistent enough, and that's one of their issues as well, Mike. As you were making that very good explanation, I was multitasking. Cool. Because, and we need to mention this. this yeah. It's going off script, but the story dropped at 7 a.m. with a triple byline from ESPN.com. So you know if you've got three writers on it, it must be good. And I'm not being an ass. I mean, really, I'm being serious. If you've got three different people devoted to a story and it ends up being something that's probably between five and 10,000 words, it's got to be good. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This, to me, uh, is significant, and it focuses on commander's owner Daniel Snyder. We said yesterday with this discussion about is it the quarterback, is it the coach, if it's anybody – if it's any one person, it's Daniel Snyder and just this looming negativity and uncertainty and what's going to happen. And one of the things I've said all along, 
dating back to July 1 of 2021 when they announced the punishment for the franchise. They were protecting him, not because they like him. They're protecting him because they're protecting each other. And one of the things they have to worry about is Daniel Snyder going scorched earth on people. And there are people who believe that he's the one who leaked the Gruden emails a year ago that had Gruden ultimately step down as coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. And I believe there's a concern that if they try to force Snyder out, not only will he use every legal means necessary to fight back, he will leak to media anything he thinks he may know about others he can take down with him. So it's mutually assured destruction kids that's a term from the 70s it has come back into vogue recently for exactly the same reason it was a term in the 70s but this is a different application of it in this context and i give you and i'm going to read a paragraph here just because i think it's very well written and it's the first paragraph of the story and i haven't had time to study the whole thing but there's apparently a lot in there yeah this tells you exactly what's going on with dan snyder dan snyder does this thing when he feels cornered says those who know him well. He paces in a hotel suite or on his super yacht or at Riverview, his $48 million Virginia estate. Cradling a drink in one hand, he tells members of his inner circle about the dirt he has accumulated on fellow owners, coaches, executives, even his own employees, all the stuff he's learned from other sources, including private investigative firms. He never says exactly what he knows, only that in his 23 years as owner of the team, he knows a lot. And in that zero-sum world of billionaires, this is how you survive. (laughs) Snyder recently told a close associate that he has gathered enough secrets to blow up several NFL owners, the league office, and even Commissioner Roger Goodell. Whoa. He says privately they can't F, F with, with him. Me. <laughs> uh, uh, so damn. That, that, that tells you. You want to know why Daniel Snyder's still the owner of the Washington Commanders? That paragraph right. tells you why he's still the owner of the Washington Commanders. That's um, pretty amazing. You know, I think you and I have both, you know, and you were, you were on this from the get-go, but I think you and I have heard from enough people that, yeah, there's a lot of people that, you know, tend to believe this to be very accurate, this this paragraph that you just read there. And, yeah, uh, it, it'll be interesting. This is, I mean, that's that's a good one right there. And if he really is as spiteful and, and gathering information on these people, uh, like they're saying there, woof. Man, that uh, get your popcorn. This could be exciting to watch as we go down, you know, the rabbit hole as, as this court proceedings go on and everything that's around Daniel Snyder. And remember, he's still kind of unofficially suspended. His wife represents the team at meetings. There's a, a league meeting next week in New York, so folks will be able to get together and compare notes and try to figure out what in the world they're going to do. And there have been reports from the Washington Post, and we've confirmed this, a push to get to 24, because 24 is what it takes to push him out, or at least commence the process of trying to push him out. You and what army, Daniel Snyder may very well say, if it comes down to it, because he will have an army of lawyers ready to fight tooth and nail for him to retain ownership of the team. That's the difference, and that's the thing that that I think between that willingness to fight you and – Willingness to fight dirty, potentially, that may keep him in that position as long as he wants to be there. And it very well could be that his kids end up with the team because that's why he refuses to sell. I've heard that time and again. He wants his kids to have the team. And I don't know why. At a certain point, he's like, why do we even want this? Like, this has got to be more trouble than it's worth. But still, it's a significant asset. 
and there aren't many of these teams out there. And and this is, Chris, this is a point that I, I made this earlier in the year when the Stephen Ross stuff was blowing up with the Dolphins, when the Brian Flores case was was filed, and and there was a lot of scrutiny of Ross. If you have a club where the only requirement for membership is having enough money to buy one of the teams and that's it it doesn't matter are you a good person are you a good business person are you a steward of the sport do you know anything about the the sport do you know whether it's filled with air or feathers as the old pejorative used to say i mean that's what you get you're going to get some bad people if all that matters is how much money they have and that's the only factor you're going to get some good owners, and you're going to get some bad owners. You're going to get some good people, and you're going to get some bad people if you only have one factor, how much money do these people have? Mm, yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you there totally, let alone, I mean, gosh, I, you know, I grew up in a silver spoon environment, uh, I've heard people say, somewhat laissez-faire. This is rumor on the street, and, you know, we've been around some rich people, and a lot of times those rich people have done things that are not that great to begin with become billionaires, so... You know, there, there's a little of everything involved in that one. And, uh, man, now those are some strong statements in that paragraph right there. That really is. And it's going to be interesting to see. But I, I don't disagree with your main or overarching point. One of the biggest issues with the commanders is leadership of the football team. And that's led to a lot of dysfunctional things and made it a hard workplace environment for Ron Rivera and building a culture of success and all of that. And there's no doubt that Daniel Snyder's the guy to blame there. So uh, I'll be interested to see where it all goes when it's all said and done. What you just said reminds me of the epigraph to The Godfather, the quote from Balzac, behind every great fortune there is a crime. And some would say in front of every great fortune there is a crime, too. <laughs> At every level of every great fortune there are crimes, allegedly, not actually. Don't sue me. I've managed to not get sued by Dan Snyder, who is Damn. Is, is very very willing. That would don't, be awesome. Don't do that. Don't put that <laughs> evil on me. Don't, I've been very careful, and, and I've had people uh, who have been, you know, kind of flying close to the sun on wings of pastrami with Dan Snyder Express. Man, you got some balls to say what you say. And it's like, don't, look, you can't be sued for opinion. And I'm very careful to say it's opinion. Snyder and versus Florio. I've got don't just just <laughs> in don't. the Supreme just Court. Just don't. Uh, uh, all right, uh, uh, you will have God, fake fake brick at, uh, all over your house after that what, lawsuit. What, what, what dirt does he have on me? God. <laughs> well, you don't uh, leave your house, so there can't need, be much. He's going to need a he's going to need a bigger shovel. He's going um, to go. All right. Well, we can't. We, you know, he can lock himself in that room that he's got. That's big safe that hides humans. You know, this guy just lives in a fortress. There's nothing wait he can minute, do. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I don't like the phrasing, it hides humans. What are you implying that I have in well, my safe? If you want to hide me. in there. If you, yeah. I was not trying to say you were Don Corleone and hiding humans in there, actually. All right? Good God. All right. Uh, the Rams have been doing their best to hide the money when it comes to Odo Beckham Jr. This one came out of the blue yesterday as we wait for OB. To pick mm. his destination, and he's in a great position to wait and find the right horse, the winning horse, like he did last year. He picked the Rams and he won. Who's he going to pick this time? On Twitter yesterday, he pointed out that LA knows where I wanted to be, but they didn't offer me anything. So I don't know what people want me to do. I definitely know my worth, and what they offered wasn't reflective of that. So it's tough to say I can come back, even though I thought I finally found. A home. Now he speaks in past tense. That's the key. 
past tense. And uh, yeah, it sure looks like he's closed the door, Chris, on signing with the Rams. That was what was significant to me. I, I feel like he's moved on, and the question is, where is he going to go other than L.A., other than the Rams? Yeah, that, that is the big question. I mean, it really is. And, and, you know, obviously the offer he got was, you know, less than thrilling for sure. And I know Sean McVay made the comment, right, that that wasn't their last offer. But we're going to play it. Okay, sorry. I didn't, you know me. I don't read all this that stuff the all the time. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're good at setting it up. <laughs> but but I'm interested. I, I am interested. And, and uh, as we've talked about here a little bit, and, and I'm one that, yeah, I like Odell Beckham Jr. I root for him. I do. That I just would go, man, Odell, from a guy that likes you, don't go back to L.A. anyways. It ain't going to turn out all that good this year. You're not going to be the savior of that team. There's issues there. And, and, and again, I think the point that, you know, we made about Jimmy Garoppolo, right? And this is the same here. You got to go to the place that's best for you to set yourself up for 2023. Not necessarily just the best place for you right now at this moment because you're comfortable and all that. And I think that's where L.A. kind of fits the mold. But I don't know if it's the best thing for him to, you know, further his career and then get that new big contract somewhere else and, and sign something a little bit long term. That's where, as a guy that likes him, I'd go, don't go L.A. There's other options. Buffalo, Kansas City, Green Bay. But specifically, Buffalo and Kansas City. Buffalo and Kansas City. Oh, my gosh. With Odell Beckham Jr., watch out. Oh, my gosh. That's what I want to say. I mean, that's where I feel at least. Yeah, I feel like in Kansas City there's a greater chance he gets lost in the shuffle. And I'm not sure Kansas City wants it because they're shifting away from big personality that expects the football. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I don't know that it works there. I think Green Bay would make a ton of sense. Sure. I think he'd have the most impact there post Devontae Adams because he brings that presence back, assuming he's 100% and he can play like he was playing last year. Yeah. That's what's weird. And if you want to be the guy, you step right in there as the guy, and you do get extra attention from defenses. I don't know that he really wants that. It works a lot better when there's a Stephon Diggs and a Gabe Davis who are maybe attracting the attention and or you Travis, have more favorable yeah. matchups. Yeah. Or, so, so, or Travis Kelsey yeah, exactly. in Kansas City. But with all those other guys in Kansas City, I just feel like it's going to be harder for him to make a difference. But he could fill that Mecole Hardman Exactly. Role, That's Sky Moore, that, you know, the guy that takes takes yeah, someone down the what field. What Tyreek would do a little, right. Yeah. yeah, that that's where I think there's some beauty there, you know. And, and uh, you know, too, I, I think both of those places could handle, you know, the, his personality. As we know, the personality stuff's been overblown. You know, there, there, again, there's, there's we've yet to they find – They love him. There's not a locker room that doesn't love him. It's been Baker Mayfield and what Eli Manning and the Mara family at all. It's it's been three people. Everybody well, else loves him. It wasn't him. even Eli. Eli doesn't care. Yeah, Eli, I guess not. Eli, Eli had Tiki Barber there for crying out. Well, loud. no, I know. I felt and, like when I mean, there was a little bit of a you know Odell did that interview and and said some things about or you well, know when you say I don't want to be in New York anymore, it's right. going to piss a lot of people off. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, that's right. You know? Right. But here's the other thing too, Mike. You know, one. Where's the, you know, what I'm interested in and, and what I've kind of heard from some teams, right, who are dabbling on, on the Odell thing, I don't think they're expecting him to be able to play till like December, right? So there's another aspect of this. It, it sounds like, you know, what his camp is telling teams is, you know, I, I'm probably going to be able to play the last three, four games of the year and then jump into the playoffs. 
So you got to figure that out too, as far as what's the right price for that. Is this just a one-year help us out thing? Is there something in the future here? And I also know receivers, right? And I know receivers and guys like Odell Beckham Jr. where he's got to be looking at it no matter what and going like, I don't care that I tore my ACL twice. I deserve some of these guys I've never even heard of, and they're making $15 million a year. He's probably like, whoa, whoa. I want that kind of money. You've heard of me, and when I am healthy, I'm clearly better than some of these guys. So there are some interesting aspects of this whole signing him and everything that goes along with it, too, that I find very intriguing. And there is a timing aspect as well. Yeah. When do you add him to your roster if he's not ready to play? And earlier this week, Jason Light, the GM of the Buccaneers, said that they're playing the long game with Julio Jones. Now, they didn't sign him with that in mind, but they're at the point where they're being very careful with him, so he's ready to go in December and January. And that mindset applies to OBJ, the team that really sees what they can get out of him down the stretch at some point is going to pull the trigger on putting an offer on the table that he'll take and carrying him on the roster even if he's not ready to play. Right. We mentioned Sean McVay earlier. Here's what he said yesterday after being informed of Odell's position that the team had lowballed him to the point where he was using past tense about his relationship with the Rams. I love Odell. We have constant dialogue. I think he also knows that um, certainly I don't think that's the, the last one um, that would come from us. I'm not familiar exactly what it is. Uh, he knows how we feel about him. Um, we got a little bit of time, but uh, love Odell. Nothing but good things coming from me. Well, look, at some point you got to quit playing the we're just negotiating game and get the deal done. Put your best offer on the table, right? We're negotiating. Fine. Sometimes you negotiate your way right out of a relationship. Yeah, that's right. By holding back right. whatever it is. Just put your number on the table. We'll figure it out. It's a yes or a no. And this gamesmanship can destroy a relationship. And again, look, on Twitter, it's not always the most pristine and clear message that people are sending. I can relate to that as well as anyone with some of the tweets we put out there. But past tense, multiple occasions, that suggests to me that Odo Beckham Jr. has made up his mind. And if you are lowballing this guy, there's a chance you alienate him and he's yeah. going to decide I'm going to look elsewhere. Or he's going to decide, you know what? Your team's not very good this year, Sean. Good luck right. on your future endeavors. I'm not going to make the same bet on the Rams that I made last November. I, I, I mean, that's what I would tell him. I just, you know, again, I don't see it. I don't. You know me. I've been, I've been trying to say this. I, if they get to the playoffs, it's like it's a 9-8. and eight. They're the 6 or 7 seed. It's that, that's the way it looks to me as of right now. And I, I might be being kind there. I mean, again, Matthew Stafford's getting killed on a play-by-play -play basis right now. Killed. They're another team, like we just talked about, like Washington a little bit. They can't run the ball, and they can't pass to protect. And then, you know, so that's where I don't know if that gets fixed, and I don't know if that necessarily bodes well, even if you are Odell Beckham Jr. You get there, you're going to be open, but Matthew Stafford's going to be on the ground already. So, uh, and, and to your point with the offer thing, too, you know, yeah, the past tense certainly jumps out when you read that. I, I think it's he's telling you with that offer, yeah, that, that was, you know, they used to be my friends until – they find an offer that we can talk about the future with. But for now, yeah, he's going to protect his interest. And, you know, he's getting to the point of his career where, hey, it's, it's starting the downward slope here. He's got to do what's best for him. And even though he loves McVay and sounds like he loves everything about L.A., uh, I don't know if it necessarily is the best thing for him for the future of his career. And that's where, you know, I just 
I go back to Buffalo and, and Kansas City just because I go, those two quarterbacks, in my opinion, are on another level from the rest of the NFL. They're clearly the two best quarterbacks in football. I don't even – I think there's a gap between everybody else and those two. And, and then you know that you're going to be in the hunt. And you know that it ain't going to be like Green Bay and we're going to run the ball and throw a three-yard pass and run the ball and throw a three-yard pass. You know Josh Allen and Mahomes are going to look to like have games where they're, hey, Odell had seven for 180 today. And that, that's got to be exciting for a, quarter, uh, or a wide receiver as well. Let's move on to other receivers who have been in the news. If you haven't heard, Devontae Adams has been charged with a crime. Now, initially, it was reported by the Associated Press as a misdemeanor assault charge in Missouri for shoving the ESPN freelancer from Monday Night Football to the ground. We've talked about that already this week. It ended up being a city ordinance violation, which has half of the maximum jail time, not a year, but 180 days. None of that matters, folks. He's not going to jail for this. This charge was filed because charges were pressed. We've seen that all the time. We've heard that throughout our lives. Are you going to press charges? Yes. Well, their hands are tied at that point when the victim of an assault wants to press charges. And the definition of assault is very broad. What we saw was an assault, and there allegedly were injuries, not serious injuries apparently, but injuries that were inflicted when that man was shoved to the ground, and for good reason. I mean, he's he, how do you even brace your fall in that situation? you got a backpack on. Yeah, it's possible, if not likely, you're going to get injured when you get shoved to the ground by a professional football player. So the charge has been filed. It will proceed. There surely will be civil litigation, absent a settlement, and there should be. You know, all these people out here who are criticizing this guy for filing a police report and for potentially seeking compensation from Devontae Adams, they would be the first ones to put on the neck collar and show up the next day saying, I want mine if it happened to them. It always drives me crazy. These are the same people who rant and rave about lawyers. I hate lawyers. I hate lawyers. I hate lawyers until I need one. Then I love my lawyer. Yeah. So, uh, the, 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 hey, these are the consequences that are naturally going to flow from allowing yourself to do what Devontae Adams did. And the other thing that pisses me off, Chris, too, there's another angle of this moment yeah. that's out there yeah. that doesn't show the extension yeah, of the I know arms. What you're, it makes I've it seen look it. more inadvertent. Right. So all these people out there, he didn't do anything. Free Devontae. Hit, that guy ran into him. It's a very misleading angle. The best angle is the one that shows that kind of get-the-hell-out-of-my-face shove that we've all either received or given or both. At some point in our lives. That's right. But that's deliberate. That's not inadvertent. That's not accidental. That's not guy bumps into him. That is a get the hell away from me. And he apologized yeah, for it. Right. So I, I don't know why. And, and I do know why. Because we can't agree on anything in this day and age other than last Thursday night game sucked. That's the only thing we can agree on. And, and so there always, has to be a con- <laughs> there, there always has to be a contrary view. But isn't that, isn't that sad? Yeah. yeah. That even the most obvious freaking thing, there's got to be a voice out there who plants a flag to attract anyone who may be like-minded to that person's cause. And I'm going to be the one who takes the stand and says, I disagree with this obvious thing that everybody else agrees with. Right. It's, 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 it's kind of old and it's kind of predictable. And people in the media who do it, they're manipulating that segment of the audience that wants to rush to that flag and say, yeah, he didn't do anything. Um, he did. He did. And he knew it. He apologized he for it. it right. And now we see what happens. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, one, yeah, he obviously did something wrong. He knows that. And this is not in his character. That's why, I'm, I'm, like I've said on, on uh, or Tuesday, 
you know, it gets a little bit of a free pass because we've never seen anything like this. And I don't mean a free pass, but you know what I mean. I don't sit here and go, man, this is a bad guy. He does crap like this all the time. The league needs to come down hard on him. No. You know, I think this is a guy that loves the sport. The game ended horribly for him, and he expects more of himself. And, you know, again, I do think his head was down. He was in his own world. And the guy walked right in front of him as he was kind of walking in. And, you know, you're in your own world. And sometimes people come up and get in your face in those situations. And you're defensive anyways because you're in a, 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 an away stadium to where, yeah, he lost his cool for a second. But I don't, like, don't want to, like, grill the guy. He made a mistake. There's no doubt about it. Don't, like, make excuses for him, though, those people out there. I mean, yeah, he definitely pushed the guy. There's no doubt about it. And he's a strong, explosive person who can push somebody easily. It's different than the asshole who ran on the field with the pink smoke in the 49ers game. Right. Right? Oh, he's a trespasser. Right. And now he's, he's, suing, he's suing Bobby Wagner, right? where oh. I want to go. Well, Not yet. Not yet. Oh, he didn't? He, he filed okay. a police report, too. Okay. He they should sue report. him. In my opinion, yeah. he filed a police report to advance the publicity stunt, to okay. get more publicity gotcha. for his cause. Okay. Um, but he was a trespasser. Right. This the is individual different. who was shoved to the ground on Monday night had every right to be there. He no was doubt. working. He was there. And and look, if this hits the fan legally, if he does file a lawsuit, it's not just going to be Devontae Adams. There will be others who are brought to the table because in combination with Devontae Adams being the one who deliberately shoved him to the ground, there are systems in place that should have been present and should have been operational to prevent that interaction from even happening. So there'll be others who are responsible. Well, that's, that's, listen, that's where I just want to say one thing. And if we could play the clip one more time too, you know, you know, there, 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 there has got to be a little awareness of like, Hey, I'm walking in front of the player's path to get to the locker room. And he's oblivious to the fact that he's walking in front of Devonte Adams. I'm not giving it a free pass, but damn, I mean, he literally did walk right in front of him as he's trying to walk in the locker room. And again, that's that's I'm not giving Devonte Adams, but it, it certainly is like a guy that was very unaware of what the hell he was doing or what he was doing there. And he caught a guy that was, you know, in a bad mood. There's no doubt about that. Now, as it relates to the NFL, there's a question that they have yet to answer, which tells me they either don't want to answer or they don't know the answer to the question. Which policy applies here? Is this the Mike Evans you get suspended right now for coming off the bench to shove Marshawn Lattimore to the ground or any of the other policies that we see get applied on a regular basis after a game? Guy gets fined, guy gets suspended. Usually it's fined, but it's the the formula that's in place and the procedure that's in place where the league imposes a, a suspension if it comes to it and then either Derek Brooks or James Thrash resolve whether or not the suspension is justified. Is it that or is it the personal conduct policy, which is slower, which doesn't happen right away, which may be next year by the time it's all said and done. And we learned a lot about the role of Judge Sue L. Robinson in the process. It's a different protocol. It's a different system altogether. But, Chris, you can make the argument, and we quoted the language yesterday in a story at PFT from the personal conduct policy itself. You can make the argument that it is a personal conduct policy situation, not your normal in-game, on-field suspension. You know, Miles Garrett hitting Mason Rudolph over the head with his own helmet in the playing surface, not somebody who isn't even a player completely away from the field as you're walking into the tunnel. That may be personal conduct policy. That's the threshold question the league has to answer. I've asked them. They haven't answered. So it tells me I think it's more along the lines of we're still trying to figure it out. Not yeah. we don't want to answer the question. I, that, that's, uh, I understand that. I, I get that. I, I mean, 
to me, this is one that it, it doesn't warrant a suspension, in my opinion. It doesn't, and especially because it's a guy that we've never seen do this before. Again, Mike Evans, we've seen have this issue before, so I think that you know didn't help it out either, and was even a way more aggressive blow than this. Even though, again, I'm not trying to take anything away from it, but you know, this wasn't running at somebody full speed and you know not putting the shoulder down and knocking them down like that. This was, yeah, like you said, brace the hands, give a quick push, boom, and the guy fell down and he's holding you know something in his hands. I would hope this becomes more of a fine type of thing, you know, I, but but not a suspension. At least at least from my you know viewpoint there. Again, I know it's not the best look. You can make your point by finding them something significant for sure, but I don't know. It doesn't, in my mind, at least cross over to suspension territory. I, I think he's got to be suspended for this. I don't care who it is. You got to be suspended for this because you got to send a message to all the other players that you're not going to just get a parking ticket for this okay. that you are going to get taken off the field because Chris, the next time somebody's coming off the field and they're pissed off and they're emotional and they shove somebody and they fall down. What if their head hits that concrete wall that's covered by, point. you yep. know, a half inch of foam. Um, they, they may have gotten lucky this time that the guy wasn't seriously injured. If it happens the next time and you didn't take steps to ensure that your personnel don't do these things, that, that's when you have a much bigger yeah. problem. Well, that's where so the NFL I, needs to come in then. The NFL needs to come in and make sure that this can't happen. you got to block the pathway, just like you see the NBA. They block the pathway when guys walk off the court and go into the locker room. So there's not, you know, idiots that walk by and when people are emotion. And, again, this is where it's, it's, it's kind of like a, a, a can't-lose situation. You know, we, we want our players to care, and then when they care a little too much, we go, whoa, this guy's crazy. And it's, no, he's not crazy. He cares. He loves it. And you you had something happen to him in, like, the heat of the moment when it's the worst thing that's happened to him on a field probably in the last two or three years in his career as far as just personally. So block that area off until players are off the football field so we don't have to do that. But your points are, are good, Mike, and, and maybe you're right. Maybe I, I need to rethink that, you know, after what you said there. Once again, we have burned nearly half the show with one segment. And Bobby D, if you're still watching, thank you very much. We hope that you didn't fast forward the first. Oh, you shouldn't have told him. So now he knows that maybe he saw it. Hi, Bobby D. (laughs) Uh, Let's take a break. Can Cooper Rush stay undefeated this weekend in Philadelphia against the Eagles? We'll discuss that when this Thursday edition of PFT Live presented by Google Pixel continues right after this. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.